0: So, it's Thanksgiving on Thursday. For weeks, there have been wild turkeys walking around here. My office is next door, and I sit, and I look out the side of my window, and I see these wild turkeys. This week, it went quiet. I haven't seen them. I don't know if there's anything in that. I know some people, you know, might be a little bit squeezed financially, and the gift just walked past their window. I'm not here to judge. Who knows? But I do want to... Express some thanks to some people. The youth team that stayed up all night on Friday night. Goodness me. Um, most of them are probably still in bed now. I'm grateful to everyone, so if I miss people, which I'm about to miss people, let me off on this. I want to make a couple of comments. The worship and tech team, the last couple of weeks, have had some technical problems, but their heart for worship has no problems, and I want to commend and honor them for the way uh, they serve us. Uh, Children's team, it's always challenging, and there's people every week, sometimes we don't even see them. There has been recently, and there is now. They make such a contribution in the lives of our children. Many of us came to faith at that age, and it's because there were people like that doing it for us then. I'm so grateful for them. And I also want to comment on the stewards, the people that you don't see until they don't turn up, and then you feel the difference. Uh, Glenn is there every week, and we never make a big deal of stewards, but my goodness me, they make such a big difference. So I just wanted to mention a few names as we're thinking of Thanksgiving. I want to express some gratitude. Okay, so this morning I want to speak on making a choice. A few weeks ago I spoke about letting your yes be yes and your no be no. And I spoke about the fact that in a world that's so confusing, where there's such a spectrum of sources of information. It's hard to know what's right on how to make a decision. And I wanted to talk about the confidence of deciding yes and no, and what does that look like. And this week and next week, I'm going to pick up on this in two slightly different ways. Today, on this kind of decision, what what are you choosing? I want to talk about choosing, making the decision to belong. In the last year and a half, nearly two years now, Uh, belonging, connection, fitting in has been challenging. And this was a problem before any pandemic came along and fractured community even more than it already was. This sense of belonging. Where do we belong? I don't know if you've ever felt lonely in a crowd or gone to a party and there's lots of people there, but it feels slightly awkward. Or even in a church. It's possible to attend church every week feel kind of lonely Uh, it's not easy belonging is important when we don't have it we notice that I want to look at that what does Jesus say what does the bible say about this I want to look at what's important what we can learn and how we need to choose and for and in choosing so add some personal action to this so that's what I want to look at today But before I begin, I must welcome my mum and dad. Uh, I haven't sat next to my parents in church for years. When I was a boy, every Sunday, that's what we did. Uh, And it stuck, and I'm grateful for that. It made the difference. It's wonderful to have them here. Yesterday, I went to pick them up from uh, the airport. I love the arrival area. The departure area is sad, The arrival area is a happy place. If you're not convinced that the world is a good place, just go and hang out at the arrival area. (laughs) Just sit there and watch. If you feel like the world is hard and there's no love and everything's tough, just, okay, the parking's expensive, but, but sit there and observe. And I arrived early yesterday, and people watching is kind of fun. We don't do this anymore. Now we just look at phones. Phone away, I saw some incredible sights, and it was quite funny. I tried not to laugh out loud, but these are some of the sights that you see. So you've got the people that were on the plane, the people that were flying the plane, and the people who were serving the food and drinks. They still look good. The the women, they still look, you know, good, and the guys, they've got this power suit on. They've just landed the plane. Of course, this is a successful moment, and they walk with this stride. They come through and and it's still kind of, it's quite epic. And then you see the, the tourist. And, and this person came from somewhere very hot. And somehow he hasn't worked out that where he's landing is not the same. And he's got his shorts on and his crazy shirt that you should never, ever wear again. Um, and, and he walks out and instantly he's cold. He really should have seen it coming. You've got the family. You've got the young babies. And I've, I've done this. And they they look like they've crossed the finish line of the marathon. <laughs> they've made it. They're okay. Then you've got the businessman who flies every week. And for him, this is just another day at the office. And these silly tourists need to get out of his way. He's just powering through. But there is this stunning moment where people meet other people. And you see so many different emotions uh, and without being slightly weird and creepy, I took photos. Here are, here, are, here are some of the pictures that I saw yesterday. We'll flick through them quickly uh, just to illustrate this, and then you'll see where I'm going with this. So this is where I began. Just keep going through them quite quickly. Nice big hug. This family came out. This person's waving as they come through. So many hugs and embrace and people running. Someone waving there. It's just, it just keeps happening time and time again. Uh, and it's, it's quite, quite moving. It's quite nice to see that, that um, love is still alive. And then my parents came through. I was by the, by the, the, the railing. And in a way that some would consider slightly culturally un-English, um, I leapt over the railing, ran and gave my parents a <laughs> hug. But this is why I say this, and I'm using this as an example to introduce the idea of belonging. Nobody came out and hugged the ground. For them, it wasn't a geographical embrace of, oh, thank goodness I'm here. There may well have been some people scared of flying who may have done that. Thank (laughs) God I'm on the ground. But largely, the hug and the embrace was because of other people. Belonging is relational. It's not to do with circumstance. It's not to do with situation. It's not to do with geography. It's not to do with, oh, I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Let's kiss the ground. That didn't happen. Belonging is relational. We are relational people. We were made to be in relationship. I strongly believe that we were made to be in relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we were made to be in relationship with people. And we try and satisfy that with other things, and it doesn't work. But when we connect and truly connect, whether that be with a relative you've not seen for a while, or a God that you don't know in ways he wants to reveal himself, it's a sweet moment. That's where belonging is found. So often in our Western World, we introduce ourselves based on our profession and our geographical location. Mike is a farmer from Hanson, uh, somebody is a teacher from Eastern, somebody is a consultant from Brockton. And they introduce themselves in that way. In the Bible, in the way that God reveals who himself is and who people are people are not introduced necessarily first although sometimes we learn this information for where they're from and what they do they're introduced in the context of the relationship with their father son of this person son of this person son of this person the first chapter in Matthew's gospel written by an enthusiastic evangelist who's desperate to tell the story of Jesus he dedicates the nearly the whole first chapter to the genealogy of Jesus son of this person son of this person daughter of this person this is why this is important our belonging isn't based in our worth our location or our profession but our relationship with the father So as we look at this subject, I want to see it through those lenses. Relationship with God, relationship with each other. Does that make sense? If you've got your Bibles, because I always want to start with what's God's idea? Turn to Exodus. This is the second book in the Old Testament. If you haven't got your Bibles, the words will appear on the screen. And I will read my Bible to you with the glasses I left in my office. No, thank you. (laughs) Exodus 25, 1 to 8. I always want to come with a subject like this with God. What is your plan? I've got some ideas, but what is your plan? I don't want to read my view into the Bible. I want the Bible to shape my view. I want it to come that way around. I want God to speak. So, Choose to belong. What does God say? Exodus 25, 1 to 8. We're going to look for a few passages. This is the first one. The Lord said to Moses, Moses at the time was leading God's people, tell the Israelites, which is the people of God, to bring an offering. You are to receive the offering from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, and and any other type of durable leather, asia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod of the breastplate. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. That's what I want to say about this passage. Firstly, I don't know if any of you, when we had the offering time, if any of you went and gave some of those elements in the offering. You put some purple yarn in the back or poured some olive oil in. I might ruin any of the checks that were in there. Uh, This is what's important about this. The leader at the time tells the people of God to bring your offering from everyone whose heart is is prompted it's not a rule it's not if you don't do this god is angry with you but this all starts with the heart our choosing to belong to each other and our choosing to connect and belong to god and our choosing to give and to serve begins with the heart that's important so they give their offering but why is the question that i always want to ask and it's answered in verse 8 God is not interested in the offering for the collecting of components or wealth because profession is not that important to God either. But it's because of this. Make a sanctuary for me, as in make space for me. Create environments for me. And I will dwell among them. The plan, the intent of God is give of yourself as your heart is prompted. Create space. Organize services that start at 10 o'clock on a Sunday, if that helps you, or any other time. Create environments of sorts in any fashion for children and old people in any other direction you can. And the why is this? Because God wants to dwell among them. Belonging begins with us belonging to God and God belonging to us. That's the original plan. Turn over a couple of pages. Exodus 29, 44 to 46. We read this. So they've built this shape. Sometimes it looks like a temple. Sometimes it looks like a sanctuary. Sometimes it looks like a tent. Hear the word tent. That will come up again. Verse 44 This is God speaking, so I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Again, why? Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. God used Moses before and he's using Aaron now and he uses someone else along the way in the New Testament Talks about the priesthood of all believers. That's all of us. But again, why are we doing this? Why are we consecrating? Why are we setting up a tent of meeting? Because God wants to dwell with his people. He will be their God. It doesn't say he will be the God that they believe in. God's not that interested in what you believe in, he's interested in being in that close sense of relationship, which looks and feels like belonging. I will be their God, and they will be my people. It's quite strong, almost possessive in a positive sense, language. This is not about religious conviction or behavior or activity. It's about belonging in relationship with God and, and being one. One. We're going to flip to the New Testament. John 1, verse 14. So that's the heart of God in the Old Testament. That's what we see. If you read on in the Old Testament, you learn that God continues to have this heart, and people continue to mess up and miss it and stray. And then this happens. And this truly is the deal maker for all people. This truly makes the difference. John 1, verse 14, we read this. The word, which means Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling, there's that word dwell, dwell, and now dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and and truth. Jesus makes it possible for us to truly belong. The heart of the Father in the Old Testament in those Exodus passages is that we would belong in relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who makes it possible. Jesus is the one who made his home among us. The word dwell keeps appearing. This is the heart of God, dwelling. For those of you that like to study and grapple with the text, the Old Testament passages were originally written in Hebrew and translated to English in the New Testament in Greek. This passage in Greek reads slightly differently. There's a couple of different words that we don't use. The word means Jesus, but the dwelling, or it says, and it made his dwelling. In the Greek it says He tabernacled amongst us. Now that's an unusual term. But it's rich in meaning. Jesus tabernacled amongst us. The tabernacle was a place where God's spirit dwelt, where God was present. And it was previously kind of exclusive. Only one person on this occasion could do this and most people couldn't. Jesus makes it possible And he says he tabernacled amongst us. In the Exodus passage we read of this tent of meeting, tent and tabernacle, similar if not same thing. Jesus is stretching the tent to include us all. Jesus is making the dwelling possible inside of us. And if you've ever felt lonely at a party, or that no one at church spoke to you, or that you've don't feel like you fit in. Our true sense of belonging will not be found in a better party or a different church or another crowd, but our true sense of belonging will only truly be satisfied in relationship with the Father, made possible by the Son. That's where belonging is important. But we live here, and that's a gift too. And we're made to be in relationship with each other. Amanda is raising the profile and the charge, and and Luke commented about the need for us to connect. A few weeks ago, we had donuts and other drinks afterwards. And this Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to have some Thanksgiving sandwiches. And I know you've eaten far too much turkey, but that's fine. It's not about the turkey it's a little bit like bring the purple and the other things that's not important what's important is the why because we want to dwell with each other we want to give more intention to being a connected community because we've been fragmented for too long so that's why those things are coming we want to be intentional let me tell you a story that took me by surprise and i'll i'll, I'll make this quite real and i'll sit here so I don't sound like I come from around here. You may have, you may have noticed that. Uh, and a few weeks ago, I went to a conference in California with Tommy and Sean and Julie um, and Amanda. And I'd been to this conference a few years before in 2015. And, and it was, it's always qu- quite fun to go back somewhere where you've been before and it, because it's different, but it's similar and there were moments where they were really really inspirational from a team perspective the connectivity was great uh, when you work with people or go to church with them you see some elements and when you go and live in a shared house for five days you see other elements and we know that we now like each other and loathe each other in different ways to what we expected before and that's the that's community that's the way we were made uh and so we're at this conference, and there were some powerful Holy Spirit moments. And sometimes I, I, was, I was feeling it. And other times I'm sitting there thinking, am I even in the same room as this person? What's happening here? But anyway, around our necks, we had these, these name badges, which said your name and where you're from. And as is often the case when, you've, when you're away for a few days, you get talking to people. And there are these icebreakers where extroverts like Luke say, hey, why don't you talk to someone? And some people love that, and other people, oh, they look at the shoes. And every time I spoke to people, they saw my name, and they heard me speak, and about five seconds into me saying, hi, my name's Adam, I'm from the South Shore, the Boston area Massachusetts. They looked at me like I was asking them to divide 517 by 24. It was this tricky equation. They were like, huh? They were confused, because according to them, I don't sound like I've got a Boston accent. And this kept happening. And at first, it was quite fun. And then after a while, uh, you have these moments, you think, where am I? And how did I end up here? And the room's familiar, but last time I was in this room, I was six years ago, I was part of a different team, a different church, living in a different country. And now I'm driving on the right-hand side of the road with a rental car, with people from this country wishing that I wasn't the one driving. And um, this is all very strange at times. You think, do I belong? You know, where am I? And the conversations kept coming. You don't sound like you're from there. Are you really from there? Are you playing a joke? Are you something else? Have you stolen someone else's badge? And then the last the last meeting, they, they made a point of saying, hey, I want to acknowledge the people that have traveled a long way uh, to be here. So let's have a show of hands if you're... Um, from Russia, and some people put their hand up. Who's here from Germany? And a few people put their hand up. And it went round, uh, and they said, who's, who's here from the UK? And I thought, I can't put my hand up, because there's all these English people who are really here from the UK, and they're all gathering in a corner to pray for the country, and what am I doing there? So, so I didn't put my hand up for that. And they said, who's here from the US? I thought, well, I don't sound like that. So I didn't put my hand up for that either. Tommy's next to me, uh, looking at me, laughing, finding this all very funny. And it was funny, but there was part of me thinking, where, where, do, we, where do I belong? And it was funny, but quite painful at the same time. Uh, the conference ended. I felt the Holy Spirit at some times, but not in the way that some people in the room did. As the conference ended, I picked up my jacket, and I went to say goodbye to the lady on my left, who I met the previous day, Who introduced herself as Jan from London? She had a classic South London accent, or I should say South London, S A F F London, um, strong South London accent. And I spoke to her, and at at times it was nice to find my people. Uh, And I said to her at the end, uh, When when you fly back to London? She said, I don't know. I said, What do you mean you don't know? The conference has just ended. She said, i got no idea when we're going back next. I said, what on earth do you mean? She said, well, we, we live in California. But um, I said, what? Not that there's anything wrong with living in California. Uh, I said, I thought you were from London. She said, yeah, I'm from London, but I've been here for years. And then she paused, and then she looked at me, and there was this shift of the Holy Spirit, And she said, Adam, it's okay to have two homes. And you're never a stranger or just passing through. And it was one of those moments where people had traveled to this conference to hear these known speakers, to feel the presence of God in that. And that didn't really happen for me. But in that moment, I felt God say, your belonging isn't in the things that people place it in. Uh, and she spoke to me and prophesied and said things to me after the meeting while everyone's carrying their coats and running out the door. And it was just what I needed to hear, and I didn't see it coming. Uh, It's okay to have two homes. You do belong. You do fit in. Because I I feel that. My dad said to me yesterday, I I land here in Boston, drive on the right-hand side of the road. In August, I landed in London, got in a car, drive on the left-hand side of the road. I flip gears very quickly, and I feel I feel accepted and feel at home in both places. But it's lovely when God says, your belonging isn't based in your geographical location. But he sees us and he knows us. And he journeys with us. And when we find and align with that, we never feel like we don't belong. And that's important. The other thing that's important is that our belonging is found in community and in connection. Um, I love how we've been able to maintain connection with people online, but I hate the way communities have been so fractured over the last year and a half. And I want to ask Kayla to come and read something about the importance of the gathered community, about belonging in church. And I want to say this. It's not because attendance or numbers are the crucial thing, but it's because we belong to God and we belong to each other. So, Kayla, why don't you read, this is a blog written by somebody called Ben Jeffrey, Jeffrey, and it's called Stop Deciding to Go to Church.
1: Recently, I have started going back to the gym, and I found it really hard to get into the flow. I wake up feel tired, and the last thing I want to do is to get my gym gear on, get in the car and get my workout on. What I realize is that the problem is that I'm waiting until the morning to decide how I feel. This means that I end up wrestling with my willpower, feeling tired and either resenting the workout or skipping it altogether. What I need to do is to pre-decide. Whatever I feel like when I wake up on this day, at this time, I will be going to the gym. I think that the same pattern is true for many of us with church. We wait to see how we feel or try to fit in around our other plans for the weekend. The result is that it soon becomes like the gym, something that we know is good but doesn't always fit into our schedules. Stephen Covey talks about this mindset in the seven habits of highly effective people. He says that life is so busy and chaotic that if we do not predetermine our priorities, they will be pushed out by things that are not important. We need to stop making it a decision and predecide that we will be there every week. But should Sunday services be a priority? Does it really matter? If you are a follower of Jesus, I think it does. There are five reasons why people give when they miss church that I want to dig into. The problem with each of these ideas is not that they are untrue, but that there is enough truth in them to allow you to create distance between you, your community, and ultimately your purpose one the church is not just a sunday gathering perhaps you were thinking why are you being so hard with this church is not just a sunday meeting i agree completely the church is not a sunday gathering it is so much more than that we should be meeting up through the week supporting each other reaching out to the poor and sharing the gospel with those around us every day that we live every day that we live should be following jesus alongside other believers the church is not just a sunday gathering but it is definitely not less than a weekly gathering. What I have realized is that no amount of good habits or hard work will bear the fruit we long for when you are not rooted in a local church. Don't let your high expectations of church rob you of the foundations. Two, I'm too tired to get to church. This is true for a very small minority, and we need to do better at supporting them. But for the majority, it is simply untrue that you need to stop speaking that over yourself. What if you are too tired to not go to church? It's a bit like saying you are too unwell to go to the hospital. Since when have we believed that a lazy morning or Netflix binge will restore us better than our creator? It is not true. If you feel tired, fragile, burnt, emotionally drained, then come and receive. Don't allow your fatigue or pain to create a cycle that builds distance between you and Jesus. Three, I won't be missed. In the Garden of Eden, before sin entered the world, God looked at Adam, who was alone, and said, It is not good for man to be alone. We have been created to connect. I think that this is why prayer is so powerful when it is for others. Prophetic words are most commonly given to to us for others. The way that Jesus has set up the kingdom of heaven forces us to be community. It is the only way that it works. I need you, and you need me. When you come, realize that you are there for someone other than yourself. God has brought you with something to that others need. For I am being church with my friends. This is usually followed up by quoting Jesus. Where two or three of you are gathered, there am I. Church really does come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. It can adapt to different cultures and settings. It doesn't need to be on a Sunday. It can be in person or online. This is the beauty of the church. If you boil church down to, the key, to its key elements, you would say that a church is a community that reaches up in worship, in, in discipleship, in out towards new people. So this sentence appears to be true. However, the reality is that it is more often used as a smoke screen to, people, to stop people from challenging us. It usually comes when people have been hurt by church or are scared of being challenged over attitudes or behavior. Be courageous. Forgive us for when we have not done well enough. Get up again and keep pushing in. Five, I can decide my own schedule. This is a bit like saying, I don't need to brush my teeth every day. But then you wake up in pain and your tooth falls out. It doesn't work. God created us with a seven-day week, and he set aside a day every week for us to connect with him. It is a day of communion and community. It is the rhythm that we were created by him. You can fight against it, but it will come at a cost. The church is not a gym. It is not just a good thing to do. It is vital. Jesus says that it is how they will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. When a group of people gather as the church, each playing their part, something beautiful happens. If you have a party or a but, if you have a party or a sports game on Sunday during the church that you want to invite me to, then I am very honored, but I have to turn it down because this time is holy. It is reserved and set aside for me to connect with God in my church family. So please stop deciding to turn up. Pre-decide that you will be there consistently, courageously, and at times self-sacrificially, and the benefits will so greatly outweigh any costs. This isn't an aspect of following Jesus. He never called followers and encouraged them to follow their own patterns or to dip in and out. He he challenges us to throw ourselves in and to create irresistible communities that will bless the world.
0: Those that know me well will know I'm not big on rules, but I am big on values. And the value of belonging to each other is important. It's the way God designed us. It's the way God shaped us. It's the way we flourish. God didn't give any one person all the gifts. They're scattered in such a way that when components are missing, the picture is lacking. So this is not about rules, but this is about values. We belong to God, and we belong to each other. I want to... I'm going to go in a different direction with this. If you... Don't know that you belong to the Father. Jesus, in that John's passage, is the, is the way that makes it possible. And he makes it possible by saying, I'm sorry for the times when I've missed the mark, which we all have done. And we invite him in to forgive us, and he does. And it's so quick, we almost feel bad. Are you sure? Yes, he's sure. And if you've not made that decision, it's easy And I often want to make it available. If you have made that decision, the next thing that Jesus said is to believe and to be baptized. When we're baptized, it's a display of what's changing inside of us. But also it's something of a connection and belonging to the church, the body of Jesus, the group of people known as the church, the people of God. If you haven't been baptized, we want to make it available for you to be baptized in two weeks' time, on Sunday the 5th of December, after our normal morning, we've arranged access to the Y swimming pool in Easton. It's two miles away, and we're going to have a baptism. If you believe, and you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. This is not me saying it. It would be nice if you would consider. No, stop considering. Do it. You need to be baptized. And, and I want to make this comment, and I want to honor... Uh, heritage and upbringing, but bring a biblical shift to this. If you were baptized as an infant at somebody else's decision, i.e. the loving decision of a parent, then I want to challenge you to make a decision for yourself. You can't live off the decisions of someone else. This is decision time. In the same way I'm saying decide to belong, I'm also saying decide to believe and be baptized. If you haven't made a decision to be baptized for yourself, I want you to own that decision and speak to us and we will also baptize you. Uh, this is important. And then the other thing that's important and this is super important and this is just not just something that we spoke about last week when Tommy spoke but this is something we're going to speak about often. I deliberately use the term God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit the mystery of God revealed in three persons we need to belong and have the frequent filling and refilling belonging of the Holy Spirit in us let me and now use this as an analogy we're like the watering can we're like the watering can on its own it's not very good If it was warmer and you had some plants that were needing a drink this isn't going to help you this isn't going to help you at all this is just an empty shell we sang about being vessels watering cans it's a vessel on its own it's not bringing any life jesus said this to his followers he said i want you to wait And then be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to be my witnesses. Then you're going to know the words to say. Then you're going to experience the fullness of life. Now, this is quite interesting. The disciples had just seen Jesus be killed on a cross and risen from the dead. And on that strength of testimony alone, Jesus said that isn't enough. You need to wait to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Without that, you're just like an empty watering can. So last week we prayed that we would be filled and filled again. At the point where we come to Jesus and recognize that we've messed the mark and we ask him to forgive us and live inside of us, he fills us with the Holy Spirit. But it teaches in the Bible that we need filling and refilling. We can't just live off the, hey, 20 years ago there was this day when my watering can was filled. Well, this is why. In life, like the water and can, we get knocked and bruised, and stuff happens, and sometimes things don't work out, and we get the scars and the knocks, and that's going to happen. And Jesus knew that was going to happen, which is why he said the Holy Spirit is going to be a counselor and a comforter, because in life, you're going to get knocked and bashed and bruised. But also this, we are meant to spill. We're meant to not be containers that try not to drop an ounce of the substance. We're meant to spill everywhere we go. Because otherwise, what's the point in having a watering can if it isn't watering the soil around? So our belonging is with each other. Our belonging is with the Father, made possible by the Son, and the substance that changes us from just being empty, dry water cans is the deposit of the Holy Spirit. So why don't we stand, and I want to pray for a fresh sense of belonging, I think for some some of you, you're nodding when I said, you ever felt lonely or that no one saw you or remembered your name or the party or the church? Some of us are going, yeah. Please forgive the people and recognize that true belonging is only found in God. And some of us, we've been knocked and battered and bruised and we need the filling of the comforter, the counselor, the advocate. Some of us, we spilling everywhere. May you keep on spilling always. May we never stop spilling. If, why don't we put our hands out? I want to pray. I'm not going to necessarily move people to come forward or anything, but I want to pray for all of us. Because this subject is for all, not just for some. Father, help us to find belonging in you alone. Forgive us for the times when we've tried to satisfy that with different parties, different events, different jobs. Lord, help us to find belonging in you alone. And help us to see the part we have to play in belonging in the picture of community, the people of God. In its best and in its worst moments. Lord, help us. And Father, like empty water in cans we have very little ability to do any of this on our own I pray that you fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit that is the substance that enables us to do all things Father forgive us for the times when we've been so silly to assume that in ourselves we can do things we can't Holy Spirit Fill us afresh. Holy Spirit, fill and refill. For those who have been bruised, Lord, fill them in a way that brings healing. And for those that are spilling out, Lord, I pray an increase. May they spill even more. May the soil of the ground that they walk on be richly infused with the spilling of the Holy Spirit. And may our belonging be found in you, God, the Father. In you, God, the Son. And in you, God, the Holy Spirit.